Hi, and welcome to another episode of Conversation with the Chef. It has been a long time between drinks. I'm Joe Ritty, and I really do love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today I'm talking to Nabila Kadri. Nabila and I have been trying to catch up for months, lockdowns and life through everything in our past. So by the time we did have coffee on Domain Road, South Yarra the other afternoon, I did feel as though I was catching up with an old friend. But Nabila is like that. She's a breath of fresh air and a bold, honest voice in hospitality. It has been months since I had a conversation with a chef, and my goodness, talking to Nabila was the best conversation to get back into it. Strong, articulate, endlessly impressive. With chefs like Nabila in Melbourne, hospitality is in excellent hands. You will have heard of her. She's the only woman executive head chef in the Lucas Group. She's run Kasume and Hawker Hall, as well as heading a restaurant in the south of France that got a name for itself despite her initial lack of French. Nabila actually started talking immediately as I met her, and I only started recording a couple of minutes in so that I didn't miss a thing. So she starts off what I'm sharing with you. You will love this, and please hang in there. It's a long conversation, but it is the best, and Nabila comes out with the most wonderful things. I hope you enjoy it. My four walls make me feel like I'm in my, in, my, in my zone. It's where I can be the best version of myself. And the moment I have to walk out of that, it's, it's very daunting for somebody yeah. like myself. Although I, I love the idea of it and the philosophy behind it because I think everybody should... Uh, you know, I was just thinking of it the other day. How did I get here? And I think I just had my head down and when I looked up, they said, it's your turn. I was like, really? Okay, it's my turn. So, you know, I, I don't really know how it all evolved. I just know that I had my head down since I was 19. And at 24, someone said, okay, it's your turn. And it was Tigazad. And, and I was like, me? We've got all these great chefs and you want me to be the sous chef? Why yeah. would you do that? So I can totally relate to uh, the Eta, uh, head chef because... Uh, and, and I remember him distinctly saying, you know, when you got it, you got it. Yeah. You know? And I'm like... I think we're just not finding anyone, so you're getting me to do this work for you. But do you think, and that's something I talked about with Rasheen at ETA, do you think it's harder for women? Because we are naturally quite self-deprecating and have this imposter syndrome. Do you think it's harder? Uh, I think it's... Harder is a very simple word to use. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it generalises. Yes. It, it's, uh, it's not a genetic... It's... I guess women in general, we don't we, we don't accept compliments very easily. I think that's always been our sort of defense. We have to be better, you know. We have to be more giving. We have to give. We have to give. Thank you. Because without giving, you cannot expect. I mean, I don't know where we learned that from, you know. To nature, girl. Uh, I would love one, please. Oh, 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 you don't have it in your mouth. No. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> Thanking you. Um, so I think yes, it is uh, it is uh, harder for women to accept compliments, um, and I do think that women, um, in a nutshell, yes, it's harder. It's a much more complicated 
word than that. Yes. Uh, but it is harder to be accepted as a serious candidate. Yeah. I guess longevity is what people fear the most. Mm. I get uh, when I was pregnant last year. Thank God it was COVID. So I felt like because it's COVID, I people were kinder to me with the idea notion of it. Oh, really? That's great because there's nothing to do for the next yeah, six yeah, months. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So that's great. You're pregnant, yeah. you know. Uh, but then I guess my my back being, I got defensive. I guess when they started to say, "So what's next?" I'm like, I'm 34. I started this when I was 19. What do you yeah. mean, what's next? No. It yeah. just means that I, like every man, I take my <laughs> maternal leave and I graft myself in a different direction within the kitchen. You know, the kitchen and food industry have has branched out tremendously. When I first started in 2004, what was Master Chef? I mean, I remember my grandma telling me, "Really? Just get married. We're Arabs. That's what we do." Yeah. You know. And I was like, "No, no, no. I want to cook for a living." And she was like, "You're you're being silly." When I I think it was just the thing of running away, not from home so much, but from the I from the from the ideology of always giving, not receiving. Yeah. And I think because I saw my mum, who's a strong woman, and all my aunties around me, who were just such talented, educated women, who always, after twenty, said, "You ready?" I'm like, "Ready for what? Can't you see? I'm happy. Yeah. I don't need, and I, I, everybody needs a companion, but a companionship should not be subjected to a need. It should be an organic reason to be with somebody. Yeah. You know." Uh, and I know later on in life, you know, some, at some point you go, well, nothing like love exists. It's a shame when people feel that way, but yeah. I do see where that comes from as well. And that's when it becomes company, I guess. Yeah. But I didn't want it to be that at twenty, at nineteen. I was like, well, what do you mean? I, I'm supposed to fall in love six hundred times like my dad did. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, I'm my father's daughter before I'm my mother's daughter. <laughs> yeah, my mom's like, I know, I know. That's what I fear. <laughs> so, so food for you was a really big part of your upbringing. Absolutely. And and I guess it's like that for a lot of cultures, other than Anglo-Saxon. Although I suppose now we like to come out and, and yeah. eat and drink. But um, <laughs> but you know, for a lot, I'm, I always um, kind of I love that idea of people coming together over, over food. Hmm. But how did you go from deciding? From what your parents thought that this is just something we do, why would you? Why should it be a job? How did you decide? What made you want to to do it for a living? I guess uh, the fact that it. I, I actually wanted to be a pilot when I was younger. Uh, I wanted to go into aeronautical engineering or a pilot, uh, but at that point. Uh, having three brothers and sisters after me, when I looked at it in a financial way, for my father being the oldest, and the oldest, I guess, always goes through that syndrome of your parents getting to understand what's the next step. You know, like I got the, I got a bicycle. My younger sister got a BMW X5. I'm like, how does this, how does this work? <laughs> I always get short gym. You know, I had to be home by eight o'clock. My younger sister. She went to Amsterdam on her own. I'm like, really? <laughs> This is so unfair. I was yeah. like the punching bag for my first boyfriend, my mother, my father. Not not in a bad way, but you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I guess it was a little bit of a rebellious move because uh, uh, being a pilot was financially not 
not the intelligent thing to do for uh, you know for for the rest of the uh, kids and everything. So I said, all right, what what would I like to do next? And I guess food hospitality because dad has always been in the hospitality industry. Okay. And not so much as a chef, but he's more the dry goods supplier. And he worked for a baking company called Master Bakers, who at that time in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, the UAE, were quite a German big deal. And so I got to travel a lot with dad in terms of him picking me up, taking me to the back of a hotel, waiting for him. You know, so I got to see a lot of the back of house things. It's something that just connected with me. Um, and also my mum being a fantastic cook. My father, I, I don't think they have much, a lot of good things to say about each other. But when it comes to food, he goes, oh, I think that was my best wife. You know, and I'm like, oh, God, Dad. You know, I think he still relates, remembers my mom as, I've never had food better than my first wife cooked. You know, so it's something that naturally came to all of us. I think it happened. I've got immediate, I've got 16 uh, cousins, immediate, yeah. first cousins, you yeah. know. I can happily say a 10 of them cook really well. And I'm like, man, how do you do that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I didn't even write that, you know. So I think it naturally came to me. And then when I said I wanted to be uh, in hospitality, my grandma and everyone else was like, no, no, no. And I was like, you know what? Just because you're saying no, I'm just going to pursue it even harder. <laughs> so yeah. I think it was a bit of a rebellious move, to be quite honest. I think because I just... I'm not so much a feminist, although my sister says I think you're in denial at times. Uh, but I just wanted to be treated equally like you would give any boy in the family a choice to choose what they want. And if failure was an option, you would allow them to have that path because that's their right. Their right to blossom and... and you know experience their path and I guess uh, I didn't want to be deprived of that so but my mum and dad actually again just they've always been the black sheep of our cultural society I guess and I guess straight away they went is that what you want to do and I went yeah and my dad was like all right start looking for universities this is your budget mum was like okay get this done and if you tick all these boxes we'll, we'll look into it so mum and dad were actually quite encouraging but yeah initially it was rebellious eventually then it became as i started researching it more and understanding what the next step could be uh, it just i fell in love with it and i guess when i came here first i when i first got to australia everybody was so i guess it was cliched out that most immigrants take this profession to get into the modl list to get their visas for me that was offensive Yes. I got my back up straight up. I was like, I'm from Dubai, I don't need to stay here. I, I go back home. That's yeah. not what I'm here for. You know, and I guess I just took it really offensively. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be one of the best and I'm going to show why I did this. It was, of course, it's a dream of mine. But cliching it out was something that, uh, in, in any human race, I mean, for anyone that matter, of when, even when my mom makes a comment, like, they do that. I was like, who's they? <laughs> who's they? You know, I don't like that kind of behavior. And I, I guess it's because I just think, if we're going to call ourselves globalization, our, mental, our minds have to be globalized first. And I think that's something that sits very close to my heart in that mm. sense. So yeah, just my personality, I got offensive and I said, no. Nah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and I remember very clearly in my class everyone's like oh god this one again she stands up again you know um, and it was purely because of that it was more because I just wanted to be I wanted to represent where we came from in the most ethical and the most honest manner that anyone should 
represent the heritage. Yeah. So I, that was another thing that made me determine that if I'm going to do something, I would like to do it with honesty and fairness and be humbled with the experience, which is exactly where my path took me, I yeah. guess, is because, you know, they, it's a saying in Hindi, and a, and a young man said it to me one day when I was at Hawker. I said, man, he goes, chef, you know, I started with you the same, but I was like, I know, man, I don't even know when I, where, how I got here. And he goes, you know, chef, usually when people are focused on something, they leave the crowd behind. They just keep walking and the crowd follows. And I was like, man, that, that just, that makes me so, so proud because he was just like, yeah, you're different. Usually yeah. people who are different, separate from the crowd. Yeah. And I was like, bless. You know? Amazing. And after that, he's like, yeah, here's my resignation. I hate hospitality. Oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> but not in a wow. bad way. I guess he just yeah, had a child. find his path as yeah. well. That's right. And but so when you came here, um, did you do any training in Dubai or was it all no. here? Uh, yeah. I went, mum and dad separated. So we actually went back to India, which is where they separated. And from there, I came straight to um, Melbourne. I mean, I guess my training was, uh, most Muslim girls, I guess, will say that at least in the early 90s. I don't know anymore because now I see my youngest sister doesn't even pick up her own clothes and I'm like, you know, my mom would kill me. She would never give me any money. <laughs> Pocket money? What's that? You know? Um, but no, but as of 13 or 14 years of age, because mom and dad sort of lived in two different countries, I've always been in the kitchen. You know, dad's always said, what's food? I'm coming home. Yeah. Uh, even though we've had help in Singapore and in Dubai, uh, when it comes to the final dish, dad's, uh, or I guess, all, um, all members of our family, especially the men, even my brother, he would rather I touch or my mum touches the final dish that goes out. So I guess it was always very naturally, it was a muscle memory for me in that sense. So when I walked in, going under the dishes or cleaning the floor or tidying something was very natural because yeah. mum used to make us do that every spring, clean all the bottles, wipe all your things. So I never found it demonizing in any no. way. No. You know? And had you been to Melbourne before or had you just researched that this is where the best place would be? Actually, I um, I had done some research. We've traveled quite a bit uh, as kids because dad, this is always something that dad did. We've traveled a bit. We didn't come to this part of the world, but as far as Singapore, Malaysia. So he lived in Malaysia and Singapore for a couple of years, uh, six years. Um, so I got to visit a lot over there and then in terms of schooling, <clears throat> when I started seeing, looking for schools and everything, Australia was one of the reasons I picked it also is because I didn't have any family. And as Asians, we have family everywhere. So I, I guess I just wanted, I truly wanted to do something without using too many resources. I remember even my budget that dad had given me, he had squeezed it down to like the bare minimum. I think it was 20 grand or something for three years. And he said, this is all I can give you. And if you can manage in this, then we go ahead with it otherwise we would draw and i don't think it was ever about the money it was just about finding your success without leaning on too many people because when you have such a big family people tend to lean each on each other too much in the long run it becomes detrimental and almost poisonous because yeah. you don't know how to have your boundaries and space and 
your happiness becomes you know you should find joy in other people's happiness which is great but it, the reality is that you can never be happy if you're not happy yourself mm-hmm. you know so i guess my parents had gone through all that notion and them traveling and everything so i picked it purely because i was like nah i would like to start it and then of course i saw some fantastic schools like william anglis and Australian College of Tourism and Hospitality was great at the time so and it fitted my budget so yeah I came here to be separated and alcohol because it was not such a big deal with us I wanted to still be introduced to it not so much because I wanted to go and party and have a drink and you know let loose but more so because I knew with uh, dad uh, you know with going to Europe and stuff that it's such a big culture it bonds so well and it is imperial that i understand all the elements to have be the best version mm. and uh, i guess that was another reason i remember the first job i took was a at a supermarket because i wanted to know all the produce in australia yeah. and then the very next job was this liquor store next to it purely because i wanted to know the local produce because i thought to myself that's why japanese was so interesting that if i know the local produce i will know the way people think or behave wow so that's my first job was a supermarket rather than a cafe i'm like i know how to cook but i don't know what to cook with because when i go and see rocket i'm like what's rocket you know yeah that's so strategic that's Yeah, that's well, my, my parents. <laughs> They're very strategic. Trust me. Dad used to ask us for I remember even as a teenager I was 6:15, 16 and I remember coming back from the markets from Upper Bukit Timah in Singapore and my dad had taken me and I was like, "Man, this is this is not fair. I'm I'm young, you shouldn't be, you know." And he's asking me for how much I spend and I said, "Oh, you guys but $2 is missing." And I go, "Yeah, we had a drink." He's like, "That's for a dollar. Where's the other dollar?" And I was like, Man. <laughs> you know first you make me do what your wife should be doing but i guess it it was never about the money it was about accountability yeah and uh, i didn't know it at first but when i came here i don't remember ever asking for a single dollar of anyone and i think it, it blessing bless yeah. it was my dad and my mom who trained me that way as a teenager of course i swore to myself every time going you know but <laughs> but when i came here i was like ah that's what they meant wow And so then um where did you do your apprenticeship? Australian College of Tourism and Hospitality. Yeah. It then became into Carrick. Yeah. Uh, so I did that for two years. So all classwork. All classwork yeah. and I was really upset about that. Yeah. Um so then I did my third year with them because I said I want to do a third year and they said why would you want to do that? You can apply for and I was like no no but I'm not ready. Yeah. How can I apply for something if I don't think that I am going to you know i am going to execute it the way i should and um, yeah. so i got an apprenticeship well i got one year physical class apprenticeship at the meridian and uh, there was a teacher then connie and she said oh really you want to do that okay you can come so i did my la- i did like an apprenticeship for one year at the meridian at king street but now it's called some another hotel it's not the meridian anymore mm. but the corner of kings uh, so that's where i did my one year of physical work apprenticeship mm. before i actually applied for my uh, residency which is yeah everybody at the time was like oh my god you're 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 crazy but i i just wanted some self respect for myself i guess yeah, yeah. i just wanted to you know i i, I was lucky enough because i was working in a cafe up the road called gaia 
it was you know the fancy cafe now i think of it i'm like we eat poached eggs in a microwave that's nothing <laughs> fancy about that <laughs> yeah um, but it was lovely and then i worked for um the pulse banks at lynch's uh, while i was doing my apprenticeship and i remember as soon as i finished my apprenticeship i went and bought my first knife and i walked straight into ginger boy right because <clears throat> so that was that the first time you'd done that style of Asian food, other than your, you know, your. Uh, yes, I was trained in French, well, yeah. uh, technically, and then I did, cost a little bit of cafe work. Well, actually, it was not little; it was a good two years because, yeah, I learned so much. I guess that's what happens in brasseries and cafes; you just get your hands dirty in mm-hmm. everywhere, you know. Whether it's ordering, whether it's kitchen hand, whether it's bar work, whether it's taking the chairs in, tables in, you're just yeah. so versatile and so translucent. And I encourage that to everybody, you know, for everyone. I always say, you know, fancy places are great, and you should always get your your basic study should always be as technical as you can. But once you finish that, you should always go into a restaurant that is outside your comfort zone to challenge who you truly are. And do you actually like the industry? Mm. You know, the first five years of your uh, workmanship should always be dedicated to the industry. And like I said, when you look up. You will be ready, yeah, because yeah. that's how it gives back. The industry gives back to those who first invest in anything in life, even a tree, mm. you know, fruit. Um, so then I got approached by the Polsmans, who were very good friends of the owner. Then I worked for Lynch's, but it was too quiet for me. I mean, you know, with their big hats and everything, and I was like, oh my yeah. god, yeah, stab yeah. me! Our platters were this big, yeah. you know, our cheese platters, and I was like, man. <laughs> Every cheese under the sun here. No one eats the whole thing, you yeah. know. <laughs> that's right. Um, and then I, and that's when I wanted to go, oh, shy away from that sort of very slow, fine dining. You know, uh, I mean, we were still making bernays and you know, uh, fish, fish and chips. Love, love all that. But as a trainee, yeah, I had evolved and I wanted to be. So, yes, Ginger Boy. I remember walking down. Um, Burke Street and it was very shimmery it was gold I, I actually thought it was like a you know massage parlor sort of a thing so I said woo shiny <laughs> so we walked down and then I saw the whole hustle bustle I remember Chris Donovan was at the pass at the time and it was just the business you know and I was like yeah that's what I want to do yeah. I want to be one of the cool kids on the block yeah and uh, yeah and I walked in and I remember I was the only girl so everyone was like oh, a girl and I could see everyone walking past and trying to check me out and see who's this, who's this, you know. Uh, so it was very nice. And for a 19-year-old, you're super excited, you know, to be in one of the trendiest places in in town. And um, and yeah, the very next day I had an interview and and the rest was probably one of the best experiences of my life. I stayed there for five years. Wow, it's a long time for yeah. a chef to be yeah. somewhere. Yeah, uh, it just, it just you know, like I said, Ginger Boy in 2008 to 13 was one of its kind. There was no Chin Chins, there was no Lucy Lou, there was no, uh, you know, that that patch of uh, the city was really the happening patch, you know, mm. with Grossi and Becco, uh, European, you had. So it was really very trendy in that sense, you know, so I loved it. And I think... Just, I guess I just wanted more. Yeah. I, you know, that fine dining sort of, uh, and we did everything from scratch. Uh, everything was so precise, and I learned so much, so much in terms of time management. And Tigasa was very uh, strict owner. Like we used to have mystery diners every week, every week, 
we had mystery diners and he if something went wrong he wanted an answer or he wanted somebody to be accountable for it. So did that work for you because I've spoken to other chefs um, and that particular kitchen did not work for them? Mm. <laughs> um, again, uh, I remember Teague asking me this question, I think I was at Baby at the time, 2013, no, 15. He called me and said, can you come in for an interview for a head chef? Because, you know, you've been my suit for that long and I would like you to give, have a crack at this. And I said, all right, I'll come in. I never wanted the job. I just went in because I wanted to say good day to T. Um, and he said to me, why did you leave? And I said, that was called an exit interview. It's three years past. We do not wash our laundry in public. <laughs> you should have asked me that three years ago, yeah, yeah. if you can. So, of course, there yeah. were, uh, there was, a, there was a, like everything, I guess every band goes through this as well. You have your high, your peak. Yeah. And then once you reach that peak, if you don't sustain it, and that's when I think the hospitality industry can be very toxic because you, humbleness or humility gets very easily lost in smoke and mirrors. And I absolutely resent that. I resent it. I, I would love to be one of those chefs who reach great heights and success with my team and allow every individual to thrive at their dream. Not my dream, at their dream. Mm. If they think that them working in the mornings of a, a, a prep shift uh, would get them to fulfill their food dream, then so be it. Mm. You know, we cannot back it. Oh, yeah, that's not real chefing, man. Six doubles, 500 doubles, the smoke, uh, you know, feeling miserable and depressed. That's real chefing. I'm like, we're not in the 80s anymore. We don't yeah. need to do that. Yeah. You know? To every one person, there are three choices you can make within this little patch. Yeah. We cannot and we should not. Uh, there, where there is creativity, there is no room for ego. So I, I don't know how the two, you know, once upon a time, chefs didn't get paid properly. We didn't get acknowledged. Today we do. Yeah. And we get paid a lot more than some nurses or doctors do for less amount of studies or less amount of investment in terms of intellectual Common sense, yes. Hard work, yes. Uh, henceforth, it is so imperial that we know that this is a form of bullying and it's not fair. We have to, if the industry has evolved and we must evolve with it because food, the ambience, people are so much more happier. And why shouldn't a chef deserve to be happier? You know, the first rule I remember changing when... Uh, when Chris said to me that, I mean, uh, I want you to take a break from Kisume. I mean, I know you love it, you enjoy your journey, you're on this food journey, but I need you to run Hawker for a couple of years because, um, you know, just Hawker needs a chef that's strong. And at the moment, we're struggling with that style of chef. I said, I don't want to do it. And he goes, No, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. I want you to be one of those, you know, you've got to stand up. I said, I don't like, you know, because I'm the only female chef amongst all our menus. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so we've got what, Baby, Chin Chin, Hocker, Kisume, uh, um, Yakimono and Society. From all these six, the only head sort of exec head chef is myself. And I remember telling him, I don't like, I don't like this, you know, uh, shuffling or sh nudging people or hustling. 
I can be disciplined. I can be loud. I can be strict. But I cannot be manipulative. It's not in my blood. It's not what I want. I'm not a politician. I'm a cook. Mm. I'm a chef. You know, I entertain. There is a thing in, in, in Hindi, we say three things. I can teach you how to cook, but I can't teach you how to eat, and I can't teach you how to feed people. Those are the two things that make a great chef. Mm. The cooking part, I can teach you the technical part of things, you know. So I, I'm, a, I'm a feeder. I feed people. Yeah. I, I entertain people. I ask them how their day is. I don't go around spreading rumors or telling people, oh, this, or you shouldn't do that, or naki, or edgy comments. It's very unhealthy. It's unhealthy. But he so how did you make it work? Well, <clears throat> I remember him saying that. And I think the first rule for me was when I walked in is everyone who's... Everyone needs to have a rotating roster. I cannot have anyone starting from my seniors. And actually, I started with everyone. I was like, okay, from now on, we split the team in two. Everybody who does a month of mornings and no weekends. And then we've got one team that does nights and weekends. And then a month later, we swim. Yeah. Nobody should be deprived of a weekend. Yeah. Nobody should be deprived of a night off. It is not fair. I've got a team of 20 chefs. Oh, but they're not strong. I'm like, if they're not strong, that's on me. Yeah. They're not strong because I didn't train them. Or my sous chefs didn't train them. That has nothing to do with them. You cannot keep telling, uh, using that as an excuse when you've got 20 people. That sounds like you have a really good handle on leadership as well. Did that come naturally to you or, or did you learn that as you've gone along? I think I've learned that as I've yeah. gone. I think I've always wanted to do the right thing. Yeah. But as I've said, female chefs always have... Um, it's always been... I guess I shied away from it is because I thought it would be frowned upon. Oh, she's been weak. Oh, she's been such a female, you know. So when I got my opportunity to stand on my own at hawker without anyone above me as an executive chef, I was the person. I said, all right, it's my turn to sh- do this, execute it, and show the healthy cultural changes that come along with it. Mm. You know, I mean, did I make everybody stand in a line and said, look left, look right? We all have failed today because the service was horrible oh but it was not our section I'm like all of us have failed one section goes down we all go down it is the principle of teamwork I have said this over and over again I will not have anyone pointing fingers and anyone who points a finger cleans the kitchen alone even if you're the rock star <laughs> you know because yeah. we just talk, which mother tells his, uh, a child that I love this child more than the other child yeah. it's the same for me my team is the reason why they, somebody comes up to the past and says, Chef, that was a great show. Oh, the only reason it's a great show and I don't look like I'm barking, but I'm narrating an orchestra is because my team is listening. Yeah. The day they stop listening, you won't call it that pleasant anymore. You'll be like, why is she screaming? Yeah, absolutely. It's the only reason it looks so fascinating is because everyone harmoniously says, yes, yeah, Chef, or yeah. they run around or they're backing me up and I'm extremely lucky for that. But I also feel it's because, and if somebody turns around and says to me, oh, that's not fair, and I'm like, that's fine. Please, look for another job. And it's not because I'm blackmailing you, it's because you need to be happy. Yeah. If you're not happy, you're just dragging your feet and everyone along with you. I'm not, this is not a blackmail. Oh, if you're not happy, leave. No, it's, I will support that move if this is not the right glove for you. Yeah. It's normal. I'm an Indian. I would never marry an Indian. That's not really true. <laughs> <laughs> but now, 
I'm a French teacher, so of course I want to ask you about <laughs> your time in France. <laughs> what made you go to the south of France? Is that Uzes? That's yeah. right. Um, well, my father has married my ma- uh, stepmom about 18 years ago now. She is from Corsica. Oh, okay, well. Yeah, she's as French as it is. She's, again, she's a French teacher as well. She works, uh, what's the school? Anyways, she's working in a school in, Fran- in um, Dubai. It's a French school. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, I guess mom with my two sisters, because I was stuck here, she's always gone back to France every year doing the Tour de France or, you know, just traveling with the girls. And um, I, um, I, I guess at first I was just like, no, no, I'm busy doing my life. I'm busy doing my life. I'm busy doing my life. And then when I met my partner, uh, he said to me uh, two years down the line, and he goes, hey, I got to go back to get my visa thing done or, uh, you know, I can stay here and I said what do you want to do and he goes I want to see my family I have not seen them in a long time and uh, I was 29 so I said to myself you know what I can get a working visa uh, to go um, and Anne-Sophie Peak has been somebody that I've always admired and I was like oh, I would love to work for a female strong chef who who narrates herself who has this calm demeanor about her but also has shown tremendous finesse over the years and I was like yep that's that's my lady i'm going you know or michelle brass because we were around that area as well wow <clears throat> but i missed both the boats one because Uzes, because i was in Uzes, i couldn't get in and then by the time we went for the winter season they said mm, you're a bit late although we were just across the lake because uh, we were in um, avion and they were in lausanne so okay. i could have taken the 30 minute ride in but because uh, i was late for the they said you know i mean i was there every day waiting my my husband's like you really look like a school girl waiting yeah, every yeah, day yeah. <laughs> like you've been you know and i'm like no i just want to get in and i guess because french is i don't know how to speak french that well uh it became a little bit harder as well because they were like oh you will have a very tough time and i was like no i won't and they were like yes you will uh, yeah, yeah. like i remember someone saying uh, can you get this on the Chambofort? And I was like, why do you say that? Why can't you just say fridge? He's like, well, why don't you just learn Chambofort? And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, so I, I was gra- grateful that I went to Uzes actually because I lo- learned a lot of lingo, mm. kitchen lingo. And today, if I had to go back, which I will hopefully go back in, not now, but in a few years, uh, I think I'll be much more confident in a kitchen. And, um, and compared to Melbourne, because obviously Melbourne's a really foodie city, but I know when I lived, I lived in the south of France, so just out of Avignon. Where did you live? So I lived in a, a really small town called Chateau Renard. Mm-hmm. It's, it's between Saint-Rémy-de-Provence and Avignon. And, um, and just, just the food, just the market food was so amazing. Mm. You know, and tomatoes actually taste like tomatoes. That's exactly and, and what I said. And apricots. And so, and just the way they... Every time I sat down to eat, I'd have to look and see what my French friends were doing because there's always a way of doing, you know, with the asparagus, you have to get the thing and do, put the knife or the spoon underneath and make a little vinaigrette in your plate and then eat it with your fingers. <laughs> Every time just watching, how do I eat an artichoke, you know? <laughs> it wasn't that beautiful too, though. Yeah. I love that as well. I guess uh, with me, what happened is, uh, so one, that happened. And then secondly, I was like, this is great. I was look, uh, working at Baby at the time as a sous chef and my head chef was Jonathan Alliston somebody that I absolutely love and adore he's been just he's done wonders for my you know there are, I think today where I am is also I would like to really give credit to a handful of chefs or even bosses in a leading position who have 
constantly reminded me that there is no difference between you and Oprah. And I would know you. To, I would love for you to know this. And they are the reason today I am where I am. And Chris is definitely one of them. Uh, Jonathan Alliston is one of them. Kisume, Joshua Bennett. Now he works for Nobu. He's one of them. They have just championed women left, right, and centre. And Joshua, uh, Jonathan Alliston was just the best English chef I've ever worked. Of course, he called me names, and of course, I got yelled at. Abi, oh yes, chef. You know, but I was ready for France. After working for Jonathan and being hammered for even 10 grams of extra tuna, yeah. uh, him really pressuring me as a sous chef, him teaching me my numbers like I have never known numbers before. I mean, it, it was. I'm so grateful for him to him, and I, yeah, I remember him saying because he was with Gordon. He worked for Marco, so him and Gordon were in the same class. And he always says, I don't, I don't really like Gordon. And I'm like, of course you don't. He made, he's famous. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Nabila. So, you know, he's, he was very kind to me. Like that. And I guess because after training from, with him, when I asked him, should I go to France? He goes, it's the best thing you can do for yourself, love. Yeah. And, uh, and I got reassurance and I went, yep, I'm going. And when I went there, like you said, the most beautiful thing. I, when I went there, I was like, okay, I'll do Susha because I can't get into this one. I can't get into that one. It would be a shame if I came here to do hospitality and I'm doing something else, yeah, you yeah. know. Unless it's in a farm or a butchery uh, or a uh, butcher's or at the bakery or um, at the cheese makers. But for everything, I need to know how to speak French. Kitchen was still okay because you kind of go this, this, you know, and they're like, hey, okay you know I'm like, okay cool <laughs> you know um so a friend of ours was opening a restaurant and she said to uh, me look if you could be sous chef great the head chef will sort of you know accompany you and teach you all these things and i was like great dream drop fantastic got there and the sous chef because seasons are such a big thing in france yeah. as you know he just didn't show up to us he came he's like oh, i don't like the time see ya you know and i was like what does this mean <laughs> and they go this means you're the head chef. I'm oh, like, wow. no, 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 I'm not up for this. You know, <clears throat> and my husband said to me, look, you can really do it. I don't yeah. understand why you question yourself all the time. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do this. I'm in France. I don't know what you're talking about. This is so out of my comfort zone. And one thing led to another. But first thing I went to the markets and I had the produce and I went, I'll do it. And he goes, why? I was like, because the produce speaks for itself. I don't even need to do anything. I just got a tomato, give you some salt and say, voila. <laughs> and he's like, really? I'm like, yep, that's it. Yeah. And that's exactly why I was so inspired. And I remember all the, the, the boys coming on the back going, chef, chef. You know, and I was just picking up all my herbs and they were just giving a, fi- a number. And I was like, that's it, 30 euros? Like, for all this? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, Go, go. (laughs) And so I loved it. Vauvin, uh, all these berries, like uh, uh, mushroom picking. Oh, my God. Loved it. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, I just get. uh, And for a girl who came from a small town in Pune, and then we went to Dubai. And, you know, it was was like reading a book Mm. for me. I was like, this is like Alice in Wonderland. I'm like a Muslim girl who comes from this small town. And today I'm in one of the most beautiful provincial uh, villages. And I get this gentleman who just comes and pours all this love on, on, a, on, uh, on a tray. And I get to play with all that love. I'll take it, you know. So I felt blessed. I felt blessed. And, um, 
and um, the language just I didn't even care. After that, I was just like, I remember there was a young boy called Jonathan. Today, I'm very good mates with him. And he came and said, I will work. And I said, oh, really? Have you worked in a kitchen before? He goes, no. I was like, really? He goes, no, I have never worked in a kitchen before. And I can speak a little bit of English. So he was the only boy who I could find in a kitchen that could speak English. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'll take you. And today, he's he's so strong. I was so impressed. I was like, you don't, I mean, of course, he, at one point, they were like, please stop. Please stop yelling at him, you know. And uh, but Jonathan stuck by, and he didn't give up. And um, and today he, I think he has his own food truck and everything. So he's doing really well for himself. I got very lucky with both my sous chef and Jonathan. Uh, eventually, we also had a sous chef who worked with us, um, uh, Victor, and Victor now works in Japan. Yeah, so both of them were very French oriented and that's why they wanted to work in that brasserie because it was a bit more, you know, in a village. Uh, yeah. Who does jungle curry in a village? You know, they're like, yeah. jungle curry? You know? <laughs> so it was nice because uh, they got to do that and then they were like, oh, we want to do something different, not French food. And so that's what intrigued them. And then, um, yeah, they had their own path. And I remember making like a lassi and he goes okay this is your drink this is a chateau de pape I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and i was like great this exchange is fantastic yes. you know? so so i got to learn a lot 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 and i and i realized how rich i was for it because again uh honesty hard work has no language mm. uh it's just a connection and and i have made some fantastic friends and a memory for life and, and i think it's made me a better chef because uh, I had to go back to basics. Yes. I had to learn how to be disciplined. Yeah. And uh, that's where I learned that it's so important not to to understand your left and your right rather than, I guess, taking it for granted. Yeah. I had to go back to basics, you know, and I, and I loved it because I think a lot of us in fancy restaurants and bigger teams get so caught up with our tweezers and our... And our fancy aprons that we forget to say please sometimes, you know. So it reminded me again why we cooked and very quickly we climbed up the ladder and we were number two or number one by the end of the season. Wow, congratulations. That's amazing. In France. (laughs) I know. And we were in the leading newspaper and, uh, you know, they were taking an interview and I was like, I need a translator. (laughs) And then everyone, no, no, it was... Again, touch wood, it was... I, I, I still don't know how I get there. I'm still surprised, but uh, yeah. Well, we, from we hearing the way you talk, I think I have a good understanding of how you get there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so you're part of this really great Lucas group. Mm-hmm. Is the dream still to have your own place? Um, One day. In, the perfect, in a perfect world, yes. I do believe, though, if you ask me the same question three four years ago I would say yes but today after corona and the pandemic I think there is so much more that I, I, I could be doing than just a restaurant um, I'd like to give back I mean I've seen so many people in pain the last two years so many people that I can't help because I don't have much myself to give but I think food wastage uh, over consumption all this uh, happens so often that I would like to be a part of more than just a restaurant. I think it's time to give back uh, to the community with all the knowledge that I have 
gathered and hopefully that I keep gathering as I evolve. Uh, seeing children, hearing some stories within Australia, um, children going to sleep hungry, uh, the, the poverty levels that we have, children in school who don't have books. I mean, all that just breaks my heart. I'm like, what's the point of an extremely expensive $110 glass when I know somewhere in my heart I bleed knowing that this morning I went somewhere where six of the children didn't have food to eat. It hurts me. And I told my husband this. And I hope that I get to work with it, you know. Ronnie from Oz Harvest, uh, Free for Feed. I mean, I'd like to get involved in more charity work, uh, there is a long way to go in terms of financially making ourselves stable. But after this, this year has passed, I, it just gives me a golf ball when I think about my daughter. I, I would like to leave Anaya a legacy. <clears throat> and the legacy is beyond just food. It's, it should be how food has given to so many. And I think, yes, a restaurant is in play. But before that, I need to create my platform a pathway for myself where I can uh, brand it out in a way where I can pitch to people who would like to give back. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how or where to start, but the intention is there. And um, yeah, but yeah, that's the bigger picture. But eventually, uh, first things, I think Indian food has also got such a, it's now starting to come up in so many places, as you know. And that's another thing I would like to be. I think what I can start with is contributing to that scenario. Uh, introduce because I always tell people I'm an Australian Indian chef. I'm Australian first, so I think I'd like to champion uh, our, 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 you know, our native ingredients uh, and accessible food. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm one for accessible food. Uh, again, I, I I think food should be affordable. It should be delicious, but I should still be able to showcase my heritage with my technical knowledge uh, in an environment that will allow people to thrive and people can access delicious, amazing food. And I would love to live an ethos and a philosophy, not just numerical value in a business. So yes, it is there, <laughs> but profit is not what I'm looking for. Amazing. Profit is beyond, uh, money is not just profitable. For me, it's more than that. I think so. And thank I you. think... Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been so <laughs> generous with your time and, and all these amazing... You're so articulate with the way you, thank you. narrate your story and narrate thank your food. So thank you. Thank you. And you, uh, tell me something more about yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Nabila Kadri of the Lucas Group. If you want to experience all the greatness for yourself, which of course you do, you might just have to wait because Nabila is on maternity leave. You can follow her on Instagram at chef underscore Nabila, N-A-B-E-E-L-A underscore scrapbook. As for me, I'm also on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. And if you want to read the chat, you can head to www.conversationwithachef.com. I would absolutely love it if you told a friend about my chats. And of course, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or click follow on Spotify. So I know you're there. Once again, thank you. Have a great day. See you next time.